A few weeks ago, when Pastor Mike asked me to talk this Sunday, I had just started to read a novel called Quareg. After I said yes, I thought, what am I going to say this time? <laughs> Some of you who've heard me speak a few times before may be thinking, whatever it is, Ellery's going to talk about himself. <laughs> and you may have thought, and why does he get to speak? What are his qualifications? Actually, Pastor Mike thinks that more of you should be up here speaking. So really, my only qualification is I keep saying yes. <laughs> I like history. I watch the History Channel, the Smithsonian Channel, National Geographic, Netflix history documentaries. History was my favorite subject in school. It was an easy A because dates don't change. When I got uh, in elementary school, when I learned that Columbus got lost in 1492, <laughs> it was still the same when I got to high school. He, still got, he was still lost, 1492. <laughs> I like history because it's more than facts and figures and dates. It's also about perspective. And I like reading books about historical fiction. But who has time to read these days? So sometimes I just read the newspaper or read the news on the internet. I just finished reading the book I mentioned, Coreg, by Susan Fletcher. It is the best book I have ever read. It is set in Scotland, 1691, about a woman chained locked in a dungeon, who has been accused of witch. It's wintertime. She knows that when the spring arrives and the logs will be uncovered by the melted snow, she will be tied to a stake and burned. Charles, an Irish clergyman, visits with Coreg every day to get information about a massacre she knows about. He thinks this information will get the Protestant king off the throne of England. He meets with her for nearly the whole winter. Charles is more concerned about getting the information he needs before the snow melts. He agrees, Oreg should be burned. In the evenings, Charles writes to his wife about his conversations with the witch. What is interesting about this part of the novel is his narrative comes in the form of love letters to his wife. On page 171 or 172, I read a passage that stopped me. I had to reread it. I read it over and over. There in that passage was the message I wanted to give today. Transformation is the ability to alter our experience in spite of our circumstances. Some of you might not know who I am. Some of you might not care. <laughs> I'm going to tell you anyway. The first time I visited Faith United Church of Christ was about 15 years ago. Cliff and I were married 12 years ago at Faith UCC, 
when the church was on Drew Street. Our granddaughters, Kylie and Chloe, were baptized by Pastor Mike. I was on the church council for about 10 years. I served on the Florida Conference Church and Ministry Committee for four years. I was chairman of the search committee when we called Pastor Mike to be our minister. And I helped Cliff decorate the Christmas tree by putting the bowls and the ornaments where he told me to. (laughs) Fifteen years ago, I was not looking for a church. In fact, I had not been to church in about 35 years. At one point during that 35-year period, I had told a friend, God did not create man. Man invented God. I had no scholarly basis for saying that, by the way. I didn't mean it in a theological context. I meant it like God is a mythical creature. Another example of flying dragons, breathing fire, werewolves, and Santa Claus. My reasoning was, convince us to believe in a powerful God rather than ourselves because we just can't seem to get the world to work out. I'm reminded of something Richard Pryor said. Keep telling me those lies of yours so I don't have to think about the truth. In a little while, I'll tell you what the truth was for me. I was baptized in the Catholic Church. Every Sunday, I went to church with my family. I still remember mom getting me ready. She combed my hair, telling me to stand still. She used brill cream on and all over my hair (laughs) to keep it in place, but it didn't matter. It would stick straight up anyway by the time we got to church because our car didn't have air conditioning and we went to church with the windows down. The best part of church was Oscar Garcia. He was a couple of years older than me. All the kids went to Sunday school, taught by the nuns. The sister would say, God created the heavens and the earth. Oscar would jump up and say, abracadabra, zap, there was water. Abracadabra, zap, there was the earth. I swear, every Sunday he did something crazy like that. The sister would look at him, shake her head, and say, Oscar, God did not say that. I participated in church activities, as all the children were required to do, eventually becoming an altar boy. So obviously, something happened. I didn't go to church for 35 years. God was invented by man. Keep telling me those lies of yours so I don't have to think about the truth. The truth was, I started noticing the world around me. I knew by a very early age I was gay. Actually, I didn't know I was gay. I knew I liked looking at men rather than looking at women. Before I learned how to read, I was looking at my brother's stars in comic books. And when they watched wrestling on TV, I liked watching wrestling on TV right next to him. Mom had bought the World Book Encyclopedia when I was in maybe fifth grade. It had history in it. I loved reading the encyclopedia. I started at A and I read to Z. When I got to the S book, I read about homosexuals. 
Well, that's what I am. I'm a homosexual. The World Book Encyclopedia said homosexuals are deviants. I found out what deviants are. How does an 11-year-old kid understand or process being a deviant? When Kylie or Chloe want to understand or have a question, they will ask, where does God live? Where does Jesus live? Papa L, what's it like when you kiss Papu? Who's the wife? We are fortunate our grandchildren can ask those questions. In 1967, I didn't have anyone to ask. And I kind of knew not to. When I was growing up, there were three words used to dehumanize and degrade another human being to what I considered the fullest extent possible. One of them was queer. I cannot be proud being called that word. Who do I get support, love, understanding, compassion, reassurance from at 11, 12, 13 years old? I had already heard comments from my family about who might be funny in that way. I heard people speculate on who might be homo or queer. I knew that meant deviant. The institution that was designed designed to provide love, understanding, compassion, and reassurance, preached on the evils that I was. And today, some are still preaching on the evil that I am. I grew up during the time of the Vietnam War, civil rights, apartheid. The church was not a leader in social justice. In fact, the church was just the opposite. The clergy standing up against injustice were the outcast and usually in jail. Go to church, pray for peace, but don't go marching in the street because God don't want no ugly. Some of you know how closed-minded and restrictive the time was back in the 60s and 70s. When TV land heard Archie Bunker flushed a toilet, it caused quite a stir, no pun intended. <laughs> oh my gosh, the sound of a toilet being flushed was a historical television event. It was. During the 60s, you know what was bigger than Woodstock? Captain Kirk kissed a horror. It was the first interracial kiss, and it was on national television. People in the South saw it sitting in their own living room. <laughs> Think about it. Captain Kirk could kiss an alien, a Klingon, a Romulan. But nobody even cared. That's what I saw as the truth. Don't step out of line. Don't be different. And don't question the establishment. Where does a deviant homosexual go to find comfort? 
a reassuring sense of self, unconditional love. It certainly wasn't the church. So anybody wondering why I'm standing up here talking to you this morning from a church pulpit? It begins with my search for love, understanding, compassion, and reassurance. I set out to find myself. The search started with reading books, attending seminars and trainings. I talked to a lot of people. In my search, church was not on any of the roads I traveled. If I went down a road that did have church on it, I would turn and take another road. Eventually, I came to the realization my life is not about me. Myself is an identity. Who I am is being. All the stuff earlier I said about being on the committee for church and ministry, the church council, the search committee, all that was things that I did. The important aspect was who was I being while I was doing that? My life is not about me. That realization was transformational. It altered how I see life, how I live life, how I experience life. And life was great. Things seemed to work out for the best. Even if the result wasn't what I, want, I initially wanted. You ever had those moments where life is magical? One of those moments was, for me, was when Cliff and I got married. It was like everyone in the church disappeared. Even Anton, the minister. I was just there with Cliff, holding his hand. Everything else was love and acceptance. I had moments like that all the time when I discovered that life was not about me. I'm a little kid, really, like Peter Pan. I don't want to grow up. I just want to play. And that was how my life was, really. I went to work. It was play. My coworkers played along with me. Once when I was at an airport, I gave my ticket to the agent to get checked in, back when tickets were paper. After he checked me in, he held the tickets out, naturally. I reached for them, and he pulled them away. He held them out again. I reached for them. Again, he pulled them away. He did that about three or four times. My life was a big game to play. Then I lost it. I don't know when it left. It was like a morning fog that fades. Just fades away. Life wasn't a game anymore. <clears throat> Excuse me. I was trying to make a living, and it wasn't playful anymore. Even though I knew life wasn't about me up here, that was not how I was living. Circumstances that seemed to always work out weren't working out. One day I hear news about a TV network not airing a commercial inviting people to church. The network refused to run the church ad 
to avoid making a political statement about gay marriage or something like that. I didn't see the ad. I found out the ad was for the United Church of Christ. I was living in Safety Harbor at the time. The closest UCC was on Drew Street, I decided. I'll go find out what marketing scheme this church was all about. <laughs> Don't go to the dark side. I sneak into the church about 10.35, and I sit in the back left seat. I even parked my car so that when I left, I wouldn't have to back out. <laughs> the minister must have just gotten back from vacation. I think he mentioned something about travel. I don't know what the sermon was about. I don't remember singing hymns. Although I do remember the choir wore blue and white robes. I think they still like to have those back. I don't remember the offering. I don't remember anything of the service because I was too busy evaluating the people and the church. I didn't get the chance to make the dash for the door. People were saying, thank you for joining us today. Welcome. And look forward to seeing you next week. Okay, sure, that's what people are supposed to say at church. I went back the next week. Eventually, I thought these church people will drop their guard. When they find out I'm gay, then we'll see. I've heard those hate the sin, love the sinner statements. Just wait. I'm still waiting. <laughs> these church people have been saying, welcome. Look forward to seeing you next week. Look forward to hear you speak. And thanks for joining us. They've been saying that every week for 15 years. Slowly, but not too slowly, circumstances didn't determine my life. Circumstances like a 14-year relationship ending, having to sell my house, mom moving back to Oklahoma, working at a job I didn't like. Play had returned along with compassion, love, and empowerment. I was a kid again. And I met Cliff. Ask him. I'm like a little kid. I dance around the condo. And there ain't no music. <laughs> and I can't dance. <laughs> I can stand here, talk about painful times in my life, not feeling sorry for myself. Rather, feeling empowered. Not everything in life is good. Bad and horrible events do occur. We struggle and despair. We see struggle. We see people struggle and give up. People live under difficult circumstances. But think about it. Jesus didn't change people's circumstances. Life was still hard. Although they lived the Jesus way, they continued to live in the same house, if they had a house. They still had to find ways to get to their next meal. They still had to work and care for their children. They discovered a new way to live in the face of their circumstances. And today, we must continue to do the same. 
Horag was chained in a dungeon, while Charles, in his room, writes a letter to his wife. Jane, a month ago, to call a mountain, a ridge, like a church, as she does, would tread on blasphemy in my eyes. I'd condemn it. But she spoke very tenderly. Her sight is very tender, and that she sees and feels what we have mostly forgotten to see. She says that she felt humbled by the ridge, as she feels humbled by a church. Grandeur was her word. She may not know it, but she has her godly ways. Indeed, she speaks better than some of my profession that I might write of. What a simple creature she is. How lovely. I feel that when we walk by the ridge, her and I, on clear days, we see eagles 